You know, I thought I was thinking about things about my everyday life, your everyday life, what you do every day. But then there's sometimes a gap in that. Meaning your faith. Because to a lot of believers, they have that separated. It's like the life we live daily, and we walk around daily, and we do things, you know, well, this is what I do, this is where I work, this is who my friend, all that, and it's just your standard daily life. But then there comes a time when there's this other thing called faith. And for many years, that scripture, the just shall live by faith, jumped out at me. Because when you see in the Word of God, and this wasn't in my notes either, but when you see the Word of God, the word shall, that's as positive as it gets. That's it. If somebody says shall, that's the way it is. Like if I, you know, we had a turmoil here, and, and I said, T, you shall leave this building. Well, he'd get the message that if he didn't, this big guy over here would throw him out, you know. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just having some fun with that. But shall is strong. No option. And this occurred to me so many years ago. So many believers think faith is an option. And like if I ever need it, I'll go find some. You know, it's kind of like, where am I going to find it? But if I really need it, no, it's not. It's not an option. It's like it should be part of our everyday life. Amen? Well, there you go. That's it for today. (laughs) Just kidding. But... No, I, even if I go into that, again, it's repetition, you see. It's like, it's like right now, today, we have an opportunity to establish a life of faith. Yeah. Or we can just grasp around in the darkness out there like many people do. Mm-hmm. You know, hoping things will get better. You know, hoping things will get better. Hope and change. Who's ever heard that before? And so there's a couple questions here, and uh, I'm planning on this. My faith is that that this will all make sense, right? (laughs) So my question is, what do I do when I get challenged? You know, over in 1 Peter, we've we've been in that area a little bit. uh, Trying of my faith works patient, but also that means that challenging of my faith works patience. Uh, What do we do when we get challenged? What do you do in your life when you get challenged? One of my extremely good friends in life, Got a call here, what, a month ago? All of a sudden, cancer. Well, I, I go down to the hospital, walk in, and, and he's all but dead in his mind. He's a believer. And, and through a series of staying with him, I refuse to let that happen because, okay, here, let me back up a little more about this. Last time I was with him, and, and for the last time I was with him, when I walked in the room, he was just he couldn't hardly look, he couldn't talk, he was just in, in trouble. By the time I left, a half hour later, his eyes were bright, and he was smiling, and said, when are you coming back? <laughs> See, because the Word of God began to enter in and bring some life to it. Well, I'm skipping way ahead down there somewhere. But, but here's, what I, here's what I was thinking, and, and he'll know this, you know, if he hears the tape. He's one of the superior dog trainers for hunting in the country. His labs are the, they don't, there's not a better trainer out there. And his dogs are worth a lot of money or if he trains your dogs. So I walk into him and I say, 
look, you've got these high-performance dogs. Some of you have high-performance horses. We do. But if they're in performing, if they're really out doing what they're trained to do, I said, you probably feed them the best food possible. Am I right? High-performance dog food. Because when they go out there guiding for all these wealthy hunters, which is what he does in the fall for pheasants, they want those dogs ready to go. Or if you're into horses and you're going to race them or you high performance, you feed them the power, right? Mm -hmm. But I said, if you just fed them scraps and then you expected them to go out there and find those pheasants on that performance level, could they do it? No. They couldn't do it. The energy wouldn't be there. They couldn't perform. I said, that's just like the Word of God. I said, and I'm, I don't mean this to denounce, but so many Christians are using the scraps for their food. They're being taught things that are just almost unbible by, by whoever's teaching this stuff. And so when they end up with cancer or financial problems, what can they draw on? You say, Gary, that's good preaching. But it's true, isn't it? You see, however we want our future, however strong we want in the future, it better start today. Amen? It needs to start now. Well, how do we do that? Well, anyway, let's go along here so far if I haven't lost my place. Yeah, where do I go? What do I do when I'm challenged? The other thing is, where do I go for counsel? Well, we find a counselor or whatever, but, but, but that's a leading question. Because there's a, a scripture that you're all familiar with. I bet everybody's heard it. Uh, and it's, it's in Matthew 6, but it took on some new meaning for me recently. In Matthew 6, it talks a whole lot in Matthew 6. You know what it is, but it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, preceding that is talking about worry. And he's saying, starting in verse 5, he said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or what you drink, and so on and so forth. Look at the birds, he feeds them. I'm skipping through this quite a bit, fast. Verse 31 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we think, or what shall, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? And it says that God's already figured out what we need. Well, you know, this is a powerful scripture. But you're in these places. What's the first thing you're going to do? Now, some people would read that and say, well, I don't have to do anything because it already says God's going to take care of me. Isn't that, isn't that, some people think that, right? Well, he already knows what I need. I don't have to do anything. And then when, when all, you know, stuff breaks loose, things aren't working according to plan, then where'd God, where'd he go? See, it, it gets back to what do we do about it? He says all that, don't worry about it, but he says, well, what you do is you seek my kingdom. And of course, then the question is, how do we do that? You know, it's easy to say, yeah, go seek my kingdom. So we'll, we'll uh, expand this a little bit. But it's, it's uh, the other thing about it is I notice there's some urgency in this. It's the first thing you do. So many times you're dealing with people and they're in stress, they've got an emergency going on, it's health problems, financial problems, whatever. Sometimes seeking God is the last thing they think about. And yet we're believers, you know? 
we're, we're, we're made, for those that made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've taken on the Holy Spirit as the resident of your life. There's wisdom right down in here. The wisdom from above is peaceful, peaceable, it's powerful. I mean, it's in here. And, and so the first thing we need to do is begin to draw on that, right? That's the kingdom. Where is the kingdom in your life? Well, it came right on down, didn't it? It entered your life. It's close. His kingdom's really close. It's right there to draw on. So, uh, even though it's a little elementary, it says, seek ye first. That doesn't mean tenth or, you know, you know, you hear these people say, well, the, all that there is left to do is pray. You know, we, we found out we're in trouble. Well, say it's a, maybe, you, maybe you have a financial issue and things are really haywire. Well, how about doing something about it now? Maybe ask God, how do I get out of this mess? Sounds simple, but see, that's the first thing we should do. How do we get out of this mess, Lord? Well, guess what? What happens when you ask God a question like that? The answer is there. But our job after that is to receive what you know. He'll bring it up to you. You'll know wisdom. Right? Instead of going down the road after that, you know, and then all you got down to a place where your finances are totally messed up and you, they're packing your stuff out of your house that used to be yours because now the bank owns it, you know, or their car's driving out of the driveway with a record truck in front of it. You know, all these things, they're the reality of life, aren't they? Have we been there? Yes, we've been there. Some of you haven't. Always, your lives have always been really smooth and cool. <laughs> But we've been a few places, Sandy and I have. And many times, if we'd simply asked God for that wisdom right at that point and then followed it, he'd have walked us. And he has. After we learned to do this many years ago, we got in some tight places once in a while, asked God for help, and guess what? He'd walk us right out of it. Where 10 years before, we'd have been upside down. But by seeking him and asking him first, asking him early, he's up early in the morning, you know, <laughs> and he's available late at night. I don't know if this fit, but the story came up once in a while about the lady in London during World War II. I think about it every once in a while because she, you know, the Germans be coming to bomb London. You were there recently. And it was horrible. Come in and drop these bombs. Well, the British would all run to a bomb shelter somewhere. And they all knew each other. It was a community. They all knew each other. And this, this uh, one lady was a prominent part of the group. And she knew the love of the Lord. And they knew it. But she quit showing up at the bomb shelter. And you've heard this story. Some of you have. But anyway, so they ran into her on the street. And they said, Sister so-and-so... We haven't seen you at the bomb shelter lately. She said, well, I was reading in the Bible where the God of Israel, God of peace, never sleeps nor slumber. So he said, if he doesn't sleep or slumber, he's awake all the time. I decided I'd just go to, I'd just sleep every night instead and let him worry about it. <laughs> well, you know, there's some truth about that. Whether it's wise if they're bombing your house to stay there, I don't know. You have to decide on that. But I always love that story. 
because there, there's a God, and he's, he's around 24 hours a day, and he knows everything, and he's, been, he's everywhere, and, uh, and, and all those kind of things. So praise God. Are we, are we learning anything, or are we, where are we at here now? So the, it gets down to what do you do when you're challenged? And then I thought about some things that we'll probably develop over the weeks because uh, there's too much uh, for one day. But I thought about the tools that we have to operate in our life. You know, it's kind of in the same vein. We have man's tools, stuff that we grow up knowing how to do. You know, we're conditioned with certain things. We're edu- educated, educated certain ways. Educated. <laughs> but uh, some of us are and some of us ain't. Huh? No, I'm kidding. But then there's God's tools. And, it, and it's, it's, that's where the key would be. What are his tools that we can employ? You know, it talks about in Romans 12 about renewing the mind. Again, I won't go that uh, there today. But, but it has to do with renewing our mind, thinking about it, and start moving in a different direction. Build on something. You know, why do I talk about this stuff? Uh, I don't have a, a, a recording of it today, but uh, you shared uh, a recording of a prophecy in 1968. And I know prophecies are prophecies. But it talked about, basically, a lady prophesied in 1968. It's on tape. It's on online, Facebook, and all that. But it had to do with, she described these times perfectly in detail. Talking about at that time, and we know that, in 1968, she had one or two TV channels. We know that. There was no cable. There was no satellite at that time. None of it. And, and, but she prophesied. Uh, in that tape uh, of, of all kinds of channels. You know, like you can get like 500 channels right now instead of one or two or three. You know, I remember the rabbit ears with the uh, tinfoil on them. <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> Black and white, and it's going like this. You're trying to figure out what it's, the picture, uh, you know. But at the same time, she talked about the complacency. Even among believers, See, my life is not dedicated to complacency. My life is dedicated to putting fire into people's lives and giving them the tools so they don't have to become part of this environment of I don't care. I don't care. God will take care of me. Well, he will, but you've got to learn to walk in faith. Mm -hmm. Give him something to work with. Mm -hmm. See, this emergency faith is not the best. Now, some of us have been in ministry a long time, and sometimes we've been able to reach and help some people on an emergency basis. But there's no guarantee because it's kind of like that dog that you fed scraps to, but all of a sudden you've got the big performance out there, the horse that you need to win the next race, and all of a sudden he's been on scraps all these years, and you wanted to win the race, so you go out with an emergency and you buy this ration that will maybe perk him up real quick in a week. T, would that work? No, it won't work, and it won't work that way with you either. We have to put the food, the Word of God, into us. We've got to shovel that stuff in and act like it's candy, and you want more, and you want more. I can't identify with not being that way because 38 years ago when I found out Jesus died for me, I've never been able to quench the thirst for the Word of God or the hunger. That doesn't mean everything's always been smooth either. But it's, it's, it's that challenging of your faith that builds not only patience, but it builds steadfastness, and you're ready for the next challenge if there's one coming. And trust me, there's more coming. 
this nice smooth life that we've had in America is in jeopardy right now. And we all know it if we pay any attention. The just shall live by faith is like we need to gird our faith right now. Let's take a little sidestep here for a minute, but, but uh, we're familiar with a, a gentleman. Years ago, he was a missionary in Mexico. I remember the story, may not be exact, but he was confronted on the road with a man with a 357 pistol. And the guy says, I'm going to shoot you. And he's like, point blank. And this guy said, no, you're not going to shoot me in Jesus' name. You can't. The guy fired... You fired the complete barrel of that gun, and they all went in the dirt. He was on TV not too long ago, and he, I, know he's I know he's telling the truth. He's been shot at several times as a missionary all over the world, people wanting to kill him. And I don't think he's been hit with a round yet. But he made a statement that I, I loved when I saw that testimony on TV the other day. He said, if, if a terrorist come up to the door, put his gun in your head and said, I'm going to kill you, he said, you just simply say this. I don't give you the power to kill me in Jesus' name. You have no right to kill me, and I don't give you that power right now. Instead of laying down and saying, oh, my, they're here. They're going to get us. You know, they're going to kill us. And no, we don't. We're going to stand up. Hey, bottom line, issue your faith. Where do you stand? Do you believe it? <laughs> do you believe? What do you believe? You know, sometimes I think about, what, what, what do you believe? You know what a simple thing about faith is? You know what a simple thing about it is? Jesus said it. He said, only believe. Only believe. The Bible says it. Believe it. And honestly, that's why you need to uh, you know, people to teach you too. You've got the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit's your teacher. You need people to teach you that believe it. Too many people sitting under ministers that don't believe it. Or they take out half this Bible and throw it away. It says that doesn't work. Do you know that? Do you know from, do you know that the epistles, there's a lot of preachers out there just throw them away. So that really doesn't apply to us. Who does it apply to? That's the church. Amen? <laughs> Where else, Jesus said, are you going to go to get the words of life? Is that what he said? Where else would you find the words of life? Well, it's in his word. Praise the Lord. Well, I must have some better notes here. God's tools are man tools. Okay, Philippians 9, if you're, if you're going there in, in uh, this introduction. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, one scripture I'm pulling out of there. Just one verse, it's verse 9. Here's Paul. You all know who Paul is. He taught us how to be Christians. He picked up the fact that we're saved by grace, and he picked up that idea we didn't have to, you know, become Jewish to be in God's kingdom. He's the one that brought all that teaching through. He's taught us all the way through. And here in Philippians, he makes a statement in verse 9. He said, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. There you go. Amen? Paul's saying, look, all you have to do is read what I've written, watch what I do, 
receive it. <laughs> it's all there. He said, you have learned and, re- and heard, I'm sorry, and received. That's a good sermon all by itself. See, it's like today. We've, we put out some word here. What's the main thing you have to do? First of all, you, you have to, you, you learn it because we teach it, but you have to receive it. You have to receive it. He said, what you've learned and received and heard and saw. I wouldn't be a very good minister of the gospel if you didn't see some fruit in my life. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not about me either at this point. <coughs> it's just an example. I'm using as an example. If there wasn't any fruit in my life, you wouldn't be here 10 minutes thinking I had any idea what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But see, that's a challenge to all of us, isn't it? We want a fruitful life, don't we? But also a fruitful life, if you think of Paul, he went through a few things. He was challenged big time. He was beaten how many times? 40 times. (laughs) I mean, drowned. He went through a lot of stuff, but he still had a fruitful life. And what we saw in him is even though he went through all that stuff, he never weakened, did he? He didn't stop and feel sorry for himself even when he was in prison. I mean, you know, those dungeons that day, they weren't like living in a palace. They threw him in the ground down there was no light. Probably, I don't know what they fed him. Rats and stinking, you know, other prisoners probably dying around him. And, you know, I don't want to create too bad a picture. But if you stop and think about that, that's where this man wrote most of the, the New Testament. Smiling why he did it. Amen? Something to think about. Where are our problems? Where, what are we so down about today? <laughs> well, I'm not down, but we're doing pretty good, aren't we? No rats in your house, hopefully. Hopefully there's light coming in your house somewhere. It's not a dungeon. So uh, where am I going with all this? Well, there's just some things that he was setting something. He said, look, just believe what I, believe all these things. You know, get a hold of what, where I've come from, what I'm doing, what I've taught. Because, you know, Paul was one of those guys that he even taught the, the original apostles how to believe. They didn't have this grace thing figured out. Now, I'm not big on what so-called grace message, trust me, but we are saved by grace. It's a, it's a, it is a free gift. Amen. We don't have to do the, all these work things. Well, anyway, enough, enough said about that. But he just said something like, do these things and the God of peace will be with you. How many want the God of peace? Well, let's open up a, a couple other things here. Let's go to Ephesians. And this won't be a, a deep study on this area, but something as time goes on, there'll be a, a lot more. But I was seeing this in Ephesians in the sixth chapter. And he's, he's talking about, of course, spiritual warfare. And I'm going to touch just a couple things in this to go along with today. But in verse 10, he said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. And then he talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And, of course, you know, through the years, I've watched Sunday school teachers try to teach this, and the kids come out with all this stuff hanging on them, and, and they're supposed to know what it means, <laughs> you know. Well, I, again, I don't want to get into the detail of this today, but at the same time, it's not that kind of a fight where we have armor on, physical armor. It's kind of a fight where we know things could happen today in America. 
we know things could happen in the morning. Right? Now, I'm not a fear monger, but I'm just saying the nice, peaceful life and beautiful day we have out here, who could ever suspect that tomorrow morning we might be confronted with something? So he's saying ahead of time, be thinking that way. Not in fear, but start getting prepared. Get some armor on. Get, get ready to do this. And of course, uh, let me think here. So he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, or receive strength. And then at verse uh, 11, put on the whole armor of God. In verse 12, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, rulers, darks. We're talking about the spiritual realm out there. Again, I don't want to get into penetrate that too much today. But at the same time, we have to understand our battles are spiritual. And we need to get geared up and start thinking that way. Because if they're spiritual battles and spiritual enemies, and we begin to learn the Word of God, guess what? We find we have tools to battle those issues, those spirits. Mm-hmm. Now, stand with it in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that evil day, having done all to stand. Now, standing here doesn't mean what I used to think it means. Standing is more of an urgency. When it says to stand, it's talking about an urgency. Now you need to stand. Brethren, well, I've, you know, and, and I know what it says in the prior one, but it, it, it's almost like, well, we fold our hands now. We've meditated some word a little bit, and we've memorized a couple of scriptures, and, you know, we prayed that, about that other issue there in our family, and now we just fold our hands, and we just kind of sit there and have another cup of coffee. That isn't what that means. It means there's an urgency for you to stand right now. Be prepared to do that. Be prepared to stand up. So it's an action thing. It's imperative. It's another one of those things that you shall. <laughs> okay? It's another one of those instances. And then we go on and, and he hits some things about, uh, about standing. And, and again, I, I would like to stay kind of shallow on that a little bit. But in verse 14, it talks about, some things here, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate, and so on. These have to do with, really, your integrity and faithfulness. And then it moves on a little bit further, and, and then it gets into your lifestyles, how you're living. Boy, this could get boring, couldn't it? Because some of the power that's in you right now to fight some of the spiritual warfare really happens to be how is your life right now? Are there gaps in your life right now? Are there things in your life that you need to correct? Amen? Amen. And we live in a complacent society. That prophecy is so good. Believers living with believers. You know, or believers deciding. I mean, they're just a loose life out there. Isn't it? I mean, you have to live under a rock not to know that, wouldn't you? People are living a loose life. And you can't tell hardly a Christian from a non-Christian. It's just a way of life. Everything's so loose. Everything's okay, right? Well, you see, you're now you're in warfare. You've got a problem. Uh, either, either you're, you know, here's the other thing I'd like to throw in here. 
Because at this point, we need all the power we can get, right? But we're fighting a spiritual force. Spiritual wickedness. If there's gaps in our life, do you think how strong can we be? Right? Yeah. So it's just something to think about. If there's gaps in your life, you need to get, get them sealed up a little bit. <laughs> you know, whatever it is. And I'm not talking about, well, whatever it is. But the other thing I want to mention here, and, I, and I'll probably close pretty quick because I know it's getting further into this. But so much about Christianity right now is what's in it for me. How am I going to get me out of this? Well, if I love you and I'm interested in you because you're my brother, I better be thinking about what I can do to get you out of where you're at. Everybody say amen to that one. Amen. See, it's having an interest in others. And that is so missing today in the body of Christ and in people. It's got to do with such a selfish generation we're in. If it helps me, fine, I'll do it. Or like a person said, well, if it's good for me, I'll do it. Uh-huh. No, this works two ways. If we're going to get in the battle for our situation, that's one thing. But the other aspect is we need to get it with other people too. If we're not reaching out, we're not, and we go around, we say we're believers, we're Christians, we're full of the Holy Spirit, we're all this. But you don't care about your neighbor, Who? what are you? And then you have an emergency and you want help and say, well, you know, <laughs> I know that's getting pretty tough, but at the same time, it's so real to me. It gets more real all the time. And we have issues in our nation. We have issues there. Without that, Well, do we care? We do care, don't we? So if we care, we need to figure out what to do about it. So anyway, just moving a little bit in here, verse 15, it says, Having shod the feet with preparation of the gospel and so on, and taking all things a shield of faith, which you have, you know, which you with a quench with the fiery darts of the wicked one. Anyway, now 17 is a little different. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. You know I'm shallow with this, but I'm hitting some points that I thought were important. That verse 17 is the next action. See, verse 13 said, talked about to stand. Now we've done all these things to get ready, but now in 17, you put on the helmet. What do you do, what do, you do when you put on your helmet? <coughs> I'm a war veteran. I know what it means when you put your helmet on. You're ready to fight. Are you ready to fight? See, are you ready to fight? All this other stuff gets you ready. Word of God in there, get the power, you know, like say, study Paul out. What did he do? What did he say? What did he go? <laughs> what did he do? And now we get to this place where we put on the helmet. We're ready to go. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Gone far enough today with this. But the whole idea, a lot of the things that we talk about here, I try to impress people is when you get to that place where your helmet goes on that word of God needs to be in you because it says and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God now I've seen a couple different things here and I haven't made up my mind whether that spirit is a holy spirit or a human spirit I haven't got that quite straight 
because it's capitalized in this Bible, which would mean it's the Holy Spirit. But on the other side of the coin, some commentary, I went and looked it up. Uh, they say, no, it's, it's the, but it doesn't matter. Everything is resident in the spirit of man right here. So if you're putting that word in and you're, you're staying with it and you're building on your faith, when you get ready to go into battle, that stuff's already there. It's already in you. Confess the word day and night and you'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of living water, right? Mm -hmm. Everything you do shall prosper, your, your leaf yeah. shall not wither, and so on and so forth. Joshua said, meditate the word day and night and, you, and, and, and you'll, you'll prosper in everything that you do and you'll be courageous. I, I twisted that up, but, but you'll be courageous and you'll prosper in everything that you do. And anyway, power's in the word of God. And in verse 18, then I'll finish praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to end with all perseverance and supplication of all the saints. And for me, that the utterance may be given me, that I may open my mouth boldly to know the mystery of the gospel. A lot of what we want to do as believers, uh, besides this selfish nature only of taking care of my needs, is start thinking about everybody else, particularly the lost. You can't say you love people if every day you walk by people that are lost and you don't bring some life into their life, light, light, light into their life. Can't do it. And I have to say, I know I'm glad to be a believer and know I'm going to heaven and all that, but, but I'd, I'd sure like to know when I get there that the Lord doesn't have to point out too many people I missed. I'm sure there'll be a lot. Uh, hopefully, you know, one of the testimonies we read recently, and this gets off into being open, but, but you know, the, the, the real crown, when we get to heaven, the real crown has got to do with soul winning. It's not going to be so much, well, we believed in $10 million, and then, isn't this nice? Or... Whatever it is, it's going to be soul winning. Why? Because this life is pretty temporary. You know, even if you live long life like these two here, examples of long life and good living and so on, uh, even a even hundred years is a speck in eternity. And don't forget this. Don't, if you don't know this already, Everybody has eternal life. Did you know that? Did you know that? These people that go by and say, well, they're hellbound. You know, they, want, they don't want to hear the gospel or they, whatever. They, they're going to live forever, too, or up until Lake of Fire, whatever that, however that goes, thousands of years. Yeah, whatever. So when you're looking at people that you think are stubborn and you don't think you can talk to them, just start thinking about the power of the Word of God being in your life to change things. See, you don't know how much power is in you till you speak this Word out to people. Oh, I wanted to get into that today, but I can't. It's too much. It's too much. But that Word of God has power. It's energized. It's ready to work. You speak that into people's lives and they change. In our lifetime, Sandy and I, nothing to boast about, but we've 
We've been able to share the gospel with people that you thought were the meanest, most obnoxious people in the world. But you know what? Down deep inside, people aren't that bad. And you're the ones carrying the words of life. Jesus isn't here anymore. Did you know that except through us? Did you know that? That's good preaching. He said, where else will you go for the words of life? If you've got friends around you, no, they don't know the Lord. Where else are you going to go for words of life? And some people say, well, I'll send them down to this such and such a church over here. Well, I'd love to be that the case. But I was sitting in one of those churches trying to be a Christian businessman. And I, there's no way the gospel got to me that way. I just sat there in the third row with all the other drunk businessmen every Sunday, hung over. But when I found out Jesus really did die for me, and I said, come into my life, I couldn't talk to those guys anymore. They'd all leave the room when I walked in. But see, we have the words of life. So just send them down to some local church somewhere. Maybe that isn't the key. You have to get your guts up and you start bringing life into them yourself. And you could do that easy. This isn't a school of evangelism necessarily, but hey, it's soul winning. But it's got to do with the power of this word working in us. You start issuing that word, people are going to listen. They're either going to think you're nuts or they're going to be glad you said something. <laughs> Amen? Am I right? So, what have we got to lose? They've got a lot to lose. Sometimes you're the one. I know that gets a little, little tense thinking that you hold that kind of power, but you do. Well, Lord, thank you, Lord, for the word. I pray, Father, that this word will stir us up, Father, in Jesus' name. And, and it'll give us direction, Father, as we go about today. And there'll be things imparted today that, that we'll continue to think about and think about and think about. But we do have the words of life because you gave them to us, Father. And those words are powerful. They're operative. They're energized. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Father. So I thank you, Father, for everyone in the sound of this voice growing from this message today. In Jesus' name, amen.